reading this morning will be from Acts 13, Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins, and by him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Good morning. Got a transient audience this morning. I look around and uh, see some friends and family members that are passing through for their annual trip to Ohio or through the place, and we're just glad to have you. Uh, We always lose a few during the holidays, too, but I, I couldn't help thinking that as I look around and I see some of you and think, boy, I wish they were just here every week, you know, and I could get to talk to them a little more and get to know you better, that There is a day that we're aiming for, is there not? Where we're all going to be together singing praises like this in heaven. And I hope we sing some of those same songs that we just sang. There's a new song I know that we're going to sing. But I wonder sometimes if some of God's favorites are the ones we sang today. Uh, I'm going to miss the Browns. Mike did a a wonderful thing today. And and this evening too, he'll be singing songs that have been requested by some of the members here. And so that's why we're singing some of these old hymns, these classics, our favorites this morning, and spending a little more time singing them too. We're singing a few more songs today. We're going to miss Mike and Renee and Jonathan, and uh, especially Mike's song leading abilities. I appreciate the way you do that, Mike. Uh, Some things just just don't get old, and some of those songs don't get old. They're renewed in my, they renew my spirit every time I hear them. It, It actually draws me back to childhood many times when, when we think things were just, just perfect, right? And they really weren't, but it seems that way. But they don't get old. There's a lot of things that do get old, though. And um, this is the time of year. Tis the season to buy new things. Um, how many of you, within the last know, a few months, bought something that said new or improved on it? Raise your hand. We did. We did. We bought a new Shark Steam back. Now, no, I did not buy that for my wife for Christmas. I learned not to do that a while ago. I think the last thing I got her work-related might have been a, 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 a handmade broom and dustpan from like this, this uh, Indian country. It was, I thought it was really beautiful and neat. And then she kind of reminded me that, that it's work still, no matter how pretty it is to look at that. But uh, we still have it. But I learned my lesson. But we bought a, a new and improved shark. And... I think it's improved. Uh, like, we, we look at the floors and we're like, I think it did better than the last one, but how many times do you get taken by the old new and improved too, where you, where you realize they really didn't change much but the shell of something, right? Or the shape of it? I don't know. I like my old computer. It just went kaput a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, and I got a new one, and it's sleek and it's light, and, and I can take it around. And it, and it types a little easier, but the buttons aren't in the right places. Man, it's taking me forever. I'm erasing stuff by accident. It's like taking me twice as long to produce one little document. That's not improvement. It probably is. Just need to get used to it. Well, most things either just get old and, and we get antsy and we want something new, or they just wear out. Some things we just get bored with. Material things are like that, aren't they, pretty much? Pretty much. Um, Technology, like I said, 
I'm, I'm, I'm over the newness of the computer already. Clothes, you wear them a couple times, and all of a sudden it's just not as, as, as cool of a garment as it was before. It's just the dress isn't as pretty as it was the first time, and you start looking for something else, maybe to wear on sale. Uh, a new car, that successful smell that they have when you, when you buy them, at least that's what I've heard they smell like. Uh, that, that new smell of a car, you know, eventually, and you don't want a spot on that vehicle. You know, I just upgraded trucks here not, not too long ago to an 08 as an upgrade. I went from an 03 to an 08, and it didn't come with a new smell, but it was clean. And I, I wanted to keep it clean as long as possible. Then hunting season came along <laughs> in this weather, and now I'm like, Phew. I almost, Amelia was with me, I think, or Taylor the other day, and I almost pulled in the moo-moo. Almost pulled in, I'm like, Oh, I don't care. And I just went on. And I was like, all right, I'm officially over the honeymoon of the truck. Things just wear out, don't they? Sometimes even relationships are like that. I, I hate to say that, but sometimes a new person that you're relating to, whether it's a coworker uh, or a friend that you've made, sometimes the newness can wear off if you don't work at, at making the relationship go deeper. Maybe the other person's not that deep, or maybe we're not. But the relationship doesn't necessarily develop into best friends. And that's okay. I mean, it's okay, but sometimes relationships change. I, we've had to talk to our kids a number of times about, you know, where's so-and-so been, you know, this year or this semester? You know, I haven't seen, they haven't come over, whatever. Well, we just, our schedules change, or we just, just start hanging out with other people. And there's nothing necessarily wrong, and we talk, talk about that with them. Like, that, that just happens. It happens to big people too, right? Sometimes it's bad if it's like a marriage and it's getting old to you, it's not designed to be that way. It's not designed to be that way. It's designed to grow, to grow better. It's designed to grow deeper and more intriguing and exciting, if you will. And, um, you know, so there's few things, really, that, that retain their newness and there's fewer things still that actually grow more exciting and more captivating, more intriguing as, as, you, as you use them or are around them, whether it's a person or, 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 or an object. And when you find one of those things, you should hold on to it. You should hold on to it. Now, there's one thing proposed to us in the Scripture that is like this. Something that does not grow old and fade away. The earth is described as growing old and fading away. The law of Moses grew old and faded away. And it was replaced by a new covenant relationship with the Son of God, with Jesus Christ. God proposes to us that this relationship is such that we can have an ongoing, deepening, enriching life together with Christ Jesus our Lord more and more every day until the time that we pass from this life. And actually, it carries on beyond that, doesn't it? It's an eternal relationship. It start, we can begin this thing and cultivate it and invest in it, which is really, I should say, invest in Him. We invest in Him and it becomes more exciting each day. You see, I think, for me personally, when I come to worship, if I'm not excited, it's because I brought boredom with me, spiritual boredom. 
It's not you. A lot of you are here happy to be here and excited as usual, but I might not be. I might not be invested. I might not be focused. And, and, and I might walk away and think, well, there was something wrong with, you know, with the, uh, the lesson or, or the, the singing or something like that. I might be tempted to think that, but it's me that brings with me spiritual boredom or spiritual excitement. I mean, I've come to that conclusion pretty clearly. And it's me that's going to determine the depth of the relationship I have with Christ. That, that relationship that's not to go grow old. How, how could it grow old? C.S. Lewis uh, stated, and, and one of our, our friends recently uh, posted this on Facebook, that the Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become the sons of God. Now that doesn't sound boring to me, unless I make it boring. That sounds pretty thrilling, that I would become a son of God. What does that entail? I don't know, there's even, there's even mystery involved in it. I don't know yet what I'm going to become. I can look at Jesus and I can say, no way. <laughs> but, but the Spirit can work through me and He can work through you to to help you develop into a person that you yourself could not have dreamed that you could be. And that's the power of this relationship. That's the beauty of this relationship is that, is that the Spirit and the Son of God work in you to develop in you a bond with them that is going to be renewed every day. Do you know the Apostle Paul said, my body's wearing out, 2 Corinthians 4. This body is perishing Man, it's, it's, you know, he's, it's getting old. He was, he was having some ailments, which he prayed about in 2 Corinthians. And he, and he, he said something about that. He prayed three times, and, and God said, My grace is sufficient to you. His body was growing old. He said, I'm, I'm being poured out like a drink offering here. I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fold up this tent. He said, But you know, my inward spirit, at the end of chapter 4 in 2 Corinthians, is being renewed day by day. I want that. Don't you? Don't you want a renewed spirit day by day? One that's growing younger, actually, with enthusiasm, with vigor. I also saw a post from a son toward his father on his birthday here recently where uh, the son was describing what he thought was an ideal man, and he said, and that is my father. I was like, ooh, that's good. And he said he also has the energy of a nine-year-old. He was 66. Has the energy of a nine-year-old. I know that person. He has the energy of two or three nine-year-olds. It's an understatement. And I know where the energy comes from now. It comes some from his workout routine, a little bit, yes. It comes from some physical exercise that the man does, but I know that it comes from his spirit. That's what keeps him going and improving with age. And so we can look at others. We can look around and see others who are enjoying a relationship with Christ, who are not afraid to say so, nor live so, and say, it works. It works. And it's not a matter of whether or not I was, I was just born to do this, or I'm very good at it. That's, that's not the issue. The issue is whether you'll make the choice to have this relationship or not. So what's, what's new about the New Covenant? So we're in a transition period. I told you we had a couple weeks to play with before we move into a study of the Gospel of Luke and His portrayal of this Son of God who became flesh. Okay, that starts next week. 
when we talk about the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus Christ. We're in trans, uh, transition, so when we're talking about going from the Old Testament to the New Testament, I'm going to use the word covenant in this sermon. The Old Covenant, the old relationship between God and man and moving into the new relationship, the new covenant that God has proposed for man to come to peace with Him through this covenant. What's so new about it? I mean, could you name some things off the top of your head? This was a challenge to this preacher. The fact is, there's a lot of things that are new about it, and also that you could probably summarize it into a few things. I would say, if I were going to describe in one word what's new about the new covenant is grace. I would say that that captures about everything, including words like you might have just thought about, like love or forgiveness, right? Some of these types of things, faith. Uh, you might have had some other major words, but it seems to me that grace encompasses all of this because it's about, it's about God giving us a gift. Individually, too. Individually wrapped. This is personal. This is personal. It's for me. It's for Matt. Just not thrown out there loosely to everybody. It's, he intends to give it to me so that I can develop a relationship with him that's very personal and intimate. And no one else has a relationship like that with God. Not, not with Matt Thomas and God. It's not exactly the same. The way that you're going to serve God and relate to God is not going to be the exact same way that I'm going to. You see, so it's individual. And so when He gifts you with His own Son so that you might become like sons of God, this is a personal matter. So I would expect some personal improvements some new and improved, some changes also that might require me to uh, step up in maturity and responsibility to handle as well. But let's talk about this first. Because it's a hard thing to put into word. I want to, this is a disclaimer. This is a hard thing to put in writing. And it's another matter to try to convey it to you. For those of you who are in that relationship, I hope that you'll take the words that I'm conveying to you, which are coming off the pages of Scriptures, but I hope that you'll take them and, and say, yes, I understand that, and, and there's an aspect perhaps that I, I, haven't, I haven't thought enough about. I appreciate that, and I'm going to take that and work that into my life and my relationship with God. But for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, I don't think that you're going to walk out the doors today and know exactly what it's all about. I think that some of this comes informationally, from a pulpit, for example, you're going to hear about it. You're going to hear the gospel presented today. All right? In fact, you already have. But it's going to have to become experiential for you. For you to understand, well, what do they mean about becoming a, a son of God, being transformed in the likeness of Christ? You have to simply understand who He is, be convicted by faith that He is the Son of God, and begin that journey before you're going to understand the changes that take place. Like I said, it's a mystery yet what He'll do with me or with you. It's a mystery. We just don't know. And so, it's a journey. Boy, it's an adventure is what it is. But I know this, there's a new king in town. He came and was born in Bethlehem, wasn't he? There's a new king. They hadn't had a king 
The Jews hadn't for four centuries, and now they've got a new king, and they're expecting, a, they're expecting an earthly military king. But this isn't the king they got. The king they, they got is better than that. They didn't know it, but he came from heaven. He would be called Emmanuel, God with us. And he was indeed the creator of mankind who would be proposed to rule over God's people. Under the new covenant, the focus of godly living is no longer upon Sinai and the keeping of the law of the letter, but upon the cross and our relationship with Jesus. Now, I use that word focus. There are other words that might be stronger to help you with that. But our focus, when I wake up in the morning, my focus is not on thinking about the checklist of the several hundred commandments that are still in the New Covenant, written on the pages of the New Testament. My focus is not on checking off those as I go through the day. My focus is on the man, Jesus Christ. It's on the relationship that I have with Him. Now, under the Old Covenant, one could have a relationship with God, but not in the close proximity, not in the closeness and presence that we have in the New Covenant with the one who came from heaven to visit earth and left his mark upon us all eternally and called us to himself to go back. It's not the same. This is the one whom I'm focusing upon. You know, Moses, the man of God, who spoke with God as a man speaks to his friend face to face, he could only look upon the presence of God with veiled face. And when he said, I want to see your presence, God said, I have to hide you in a cleft of a rock. You don't, want, you don't really want to see me in my fullness yet. And when he came down off the mountain, he was glowing and radiance. And the people were in awe. And they just they feared this God whom he had talked to. Moses Moses could only look upon Him with unveiled face. But we can look upon Him, or excuse me, Moses with a veiled face, but we with unveiled face can look at Him and see Him as He is. Men in the first century, men and women, men related to Him and observed Him and watched Him and, and walked with Him and could see how God is so personally. Solomon he could only decorate uh, God's temple with the finest of earth's metals. A lot of gold. Man, I'll bet it was beautiful. I just bet it was gorgeous to walk in there. It's something like we've never seen before, I don't think, in our time. And silver and bronze and, and even the wood was the finest. It was cedars, cedar paneling. Beautiful temple. Solomon decked it out with the best that this earth could offer, but, but the creator of those precious metals stands greater than those precious metals. And today, the temple of God, the temple of God is decorated with the spirits of just men made perfect. And I want you to think about that. He said, you are the temple of God. What's that temple look like? It looks like souls that have been perfected in Christ Jesus. Beauty to God. I mean, when he sees someone who's committed to him in relationship, it's, again, like a marriage. It's, it's a beautiful partner to walk with. And his temple is decorated with, with the souls of redeemed saints now. The holy priests could only offer the blood of bulls and goats as a cleansing for sin. But he, 
with His own blood made us right with God. The prophets, they could only gaze and wonder, the New Testament writers say. They wandered at these things that were spoken and which were fulfilled. They could only gaze and wonder as they spoke of the King who would come after them. But the apostles, like John could say, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes and which we've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, that you may have fellowship with us, he said. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We got to touch Him, behold Him, gaze upon Him, follow Him, relate with Him, sit at His feet, learn from Him. Oh, it was very different from what the prophets experienced and what we have now is the fullness of God and His beauty that's been revealed to us. Full fellowship. We have fellow, uh, you may have fellowship with us, John said in 1 John chapter 1, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Alright, now think about this. What's new about the new covenant? We have full fellowship. John wrote in his Gospel, in chapter 17, verse 22, that we would have fellowship with the Godhead in this way, that just as I am in you, Father, Jesus prayed, so they will be in us. I in you, you in me, and they in us. Wow. That's close fellowship, isn't it? That's, that's the Lord telling us through this prayer that, that we are being lifted up and valued as, as the pinnacle of His creation, to be valued in such a way that He wants us to be in association with Him, close association. He promised in John 15 that the Spirit would dwell in us and that He and the Father would come and, and live with us and that the, the Spirit would be given as a gift and as a guarantee of our salvation. You know, there's no other religion on earth that makes such a bold profession as this is that God would want to associate with you personally on this level and become one with Him. This is a uniqueness not just to the New Testament, but to world religion. Other religions must work to lay claim to being worthy of God. In Christianity, Christ did the work to bring us close to God. That's a profound, profound difference I hope you appreciate and what's more than, than my fellowship with Christ and the Father God and the Holy Spirit is what Paul calls the mystery of the gospel in Ephesians 2 and 3 where he says, this is the great mystery, how God would save the world when there's division, actually religious division. There's the old covenant of, of Moses that the Jews were under and one could come into that covenant but then there's the law of the Gentiles. And so you have the Jews and the Gentiles out here in the world uh, either obeying or disobeying God. He says, the mystery is that through Christ on the cross, He calls all the tribes and nations of the world together to Him in one body. Any obstacle, any hurdle that men have tried to throw in to divide us, whether it's ethnicity 
or gender or socioeconomic status or, or, or academic achievement, whatever we like to throw in there to just separate me from you just a little bit, ideally so that I can think I'm better than someone else, superior, Christ by the cross chucks all those out and says, if you want to come to God, you're all coming on to the same ground. You're all coming into the same ground. You're all equal. You're all God's creatures. You come together in one body. That's hard for some people to do. But that's the beauty of the New Testament church. And once again, I say to you that there is no other religion on earth that makes such a bold call for every man to lay down arms and to come together as one in God through love, not through force. Through love and submission. There's nothing like it out there, guys. Nothing at all. It's higher ground. It's a free fountain. <laughs> in the Old Testament, you'd have to make a, an offering of a sacrifice that would cost you something. You'd either, you would either take of your own flock, if you had one, and spend, if you will, the value of that, of that, of that livestock in an offering to God to make things right between you and God, you'd have to take it to an altar and a priesthood and they would have to offer that. It would cost you something. Or the first, first fruits of your field. Or you would have to go purchase from a merchant something. And God set all that up so that people could have access to those things. But in the New Testament, God paid the price for the offering in His own Son. You don't have to have a cent to get right with God today. It didn't cost you a penny. <laughs> Anyone can come and they can drink all they want from the fountain that is free-flowing, the richness of forgiveness of God. Now this one thing is true. To make peace between God and man, Christ offered Himself a living sacrifice to forgive our sins, but remember what He called us to do as well. It doesn't require a cent from your purse or your wallet, but He said, offer yourself as a living sacrifice to the God who set you free. You live for Him now. This is the aim of God's plan for man. You remember last week when I said salvation's actually not the... the the overall plan of God, it's a mission that He sent Christ on to bring men back to His vision of perfection and relationship with mankind. So He came to draw us back. Now, how can that happen if I resist giving myself back to my God? That would be like entering into a marriage again and saying, well, I don't really want to let go of some things. We all know that that doesn't work real well usually, does it? There's some certain things I'm not going to change and you're not going to change about me. I'm not going to give these things to you. And, I, and it's just off limits. That relationship usually doesn't grow very deep, very quickly. And so he's asked of us to sacrifice ourselves on an altar. And as the reading put it, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus Christ, has preached to you the forgiveness of sins and by Him everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified from the law of Moses. So it's comprehensive. We can be justified of every sin, and we couldn't have been under the law of Moses. 
It was incomplete. The law pointed out our transgressions and our faults, but it didn't offer a solution for sin. And so men came annually, even weekly and daily, and their sins continually were deferred and rolled over until that time when God would redeem mankind by the hand of a Messiah. Well, He has come for us today. And so we have this access by, by His grace. We have access through our faith into this salvation. And we can be washed. Now, here's something for our culture. Here's something that you like uh, living in this culture. The forgiveness is immediate. It's immediate. There's no delay. There's no background check. There's no wait. Uh, I, I don't have to place my order. I don't have to put something on layaway. I don't have to wonder. When we come humbly before the throne of grace to beseech His forgiveness, John said that He's faithful and true. And if we confess our sins, He'll forgive our sins. When? Immediately. In the blood of Christ, you'll be forgiven of those sins. I like immediate, don't you? I mean, there's some things I want some, I want some fast turnaround on. And we just can't get it sometimes. And in our culture, we're always looking for that. Well, guess what? We got one. There's no shortcut to godly living, but we can get forgiveness upon, his, upon requesting from His presence as priests who are standing before Him in need of no one else to mediate for us other than Jesus Christ, the great mediator. We can make that request and it be fulfilled Immediately, that is new. Hmm. Our mediator, he's approachable. We don't have a great high priest who does not understand or sympathize with our weaknesses, but who has passed through the heavens and he's suffered being tempted like men, Hebrews 2 and 4, and understands so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find that forgiveness, find that aid to help us in time of need. Now, now this aid, it may not prolong your life. This aid may not make you more financially prosperous. This aid may not heal your cancer immediately. The aid that He is offering to you is strength in the inner man. It's a strengthening of your faith. It's a, it's a strengthening of your soul. It's a, it's a bestowal of his, of his power in your life to be able to endure and persevere anything that comes along so that you can only improve and get better with age like very few things in the world do. He's merciful Paul said, James said, I'll just say what James said, mercy triumphs judgment. Thank God. Thank God that mercy's the trump card because even today, under Christ, if I had to stand before Jesus with my list of rights and wrongs, my good and bad deeds, guess what? I'm going to be found guilty of, a, of being a lawbreaker. You know, you only have to break one law to go to jail. They don't put you in jail once you've, you've shown that you've broken every law in the book. You just break one and you're guilty as a lawbreaker. This is how we would stand before God, but God said, mercy trumps judgment. If you're in Christ, 
the power of my kindness is greater than my wrath. Wrath is his exception. He much prefers to be himself in kindness and mercy and graciousness. That's how he describes himself, our God does. Thank God he's approachable. I don't have to go to him fearfully, but I should go to him pleafully for sure. Well, there's a couple other things I could mention. I'm just going to go with one then and wrap up our time since our singing was so beautiful. And we want to sing some more. Worship. Worship is different. Worship is different. Under the Old Covenant, the worship was structured to be a tutor for men to learn the holiness of God. There were a lot of external factors in the worship. For example, the temple, a physical structure. You went to the temple, or in the days of the tabernacle, the tabernacle, or in the days of the synagogue, the synagogue. You went to those physical locations, but no more journeys to the temple because in the new covenant, those who are God's, He dwells with you, and He says, you're the temple of God, and I dwell in you, and I have to go no further than myself, no further than to look up to be in fellowship with God in a worshipful manner. Now, you might say right away, well, wait a minute, why would we all come together here? It's not the location. God didn't pick this eight-acre property for us. He said, you come together as much as is possible. If at all possible, and you can meet with other saints, you come together, but location is on demand. Location is on demand. So wherever two or three of us are gathered, He is there in our midst. Tithing. Tithing, giving a tenth of all in the Old Testament has matured to giving as you've been prospered, remembering what you've been given. Someone might say, glad I don't have to give a tenth. That's a lot. The reality is God set us free to give liberally and a tenth shouldn't seem like very much. It shouldn't seem like very much for all that we have and all that we've been given. So he, he actually lifts the cap and says, give liberally and give, how? Cheerfully. Now, considering the difference between him sending the Son of God and the new covenant and me uh, finding a, the nearest bull or ram or sheep or goat in the Old Testament, I think I feel more liberal under the new covenant than I would under the old. Singing from the organization of the Levitical singers, the Nethanim and, and all these, and who would blow the trumpets and who would play the music at the appointed times. And the congregation would sing, but there was this organization and structure. You come to the new, and he lifts those, and he says, sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Sing with grace in your heart. That's what I want in this new covenant. I want you to sing with grace in your heart toward me. Well, we're, what about the, well, who's going to hold the, and where are we going to place the, I just want you to sing and make melody in your heart. You figure it out, what that means, what that entails, and what's necessary in order to do that. You figure that out. I think we're smart enough to do that. The mediators. No longer do I have to go find the priest. God has made me a priest. And he said, come to my son, the high priest. He'll mediate between us. And you have direct access to him and to God 
through this new covenant. A memorial. No more daily offerings, a morning and evening sacrifice as a perpetual memorial before me. No more Sabbaths to keep as a memorial for, for what God has done for us. No more annual feasts to keep to travel to that temple location to meet together in certain areas to, to have week-long festivals. He said, when you come together on the first day of the week, you partake of this unleavened bread and this fruit of the vine which represents my body and my blood. That's all I really want you to remember. Not even my birthday, <laughs> incidentally. Not even my birthday. Not, not Jesus' birthday even. But His death and what it means to you on the cross. That's the one thing that God said, I want you to memorialize that. We don't know when Jesus' birthday is. Okay? And so as Clay said, for example, with Christmas, it's become a tradition to, to give gifts and to have myths and legends and things associated with it. I've come personally uh, to understand that, that we have liberty to do those things, uh, whether it's a national thing or, or a tradition of some sort that's been handed down to us, um, assuming that they do not conflict with the will of God or my worship to God, but he didn't ask me to do Christmas. He asked me to partake of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of him. This is a new thing. Now, I took about, I told somebody in the aisle here, I took about three or four phone calls from neighbors and newfound friends that asked what our Christmas Eve services were. So I, I was dealing with this all week, you know, I was like 10 o'clock Sunday morning, 27th. <laughs> That's not Christmas Eve, yeah, it is. And we're going we're gonna to have that memorial every week. And so this is something that's relevant to our society, but you need to understand that there's only one memorial established, isn't there? Finally, I'll leave you with this, the sacrifices. No more animals to offer on the altar. I'm a hunter. I, I, don't, like, I don't like to dress the stuff out. I do because I like to eat. But I, I like that. I wouldn't want to have to do that as part of my worship. I, I just wouldn't want to. The whole idea is that you don't want to do that. That's the whole idea of the slaughter of the animals in the Old Testament. It's death. Sin has brought that upon something else, thankfully, to you. It's called a sacrifice for your sins. We don't have to go find an animal to sacrifice. But as I said, we have to lay down our own souls upon the spiritual altar. It's even present here today with us. Laying your own soul down on the spiritual altar to God as a... As a as a reasonable gift and a holy offering as you offer Him your life. Those are some things that are new. You might have thought in your head, well, you didn't mention this one or that one. Yeah, I know, there's some things. I'm going to go ahead and get down from the pulpit. There's a couple things that aren't new, though. One is that God has never changed. The God of the Old Testament is not an angry God, and the God of the New Testament is a loving God. This God has been the same God all along. But when He gave His Son to men to walk upon the earth, when He was born into the kingdom of men and became a son of man, that changed the dynamics of the relationship that we have with God. That changed things. God expects more from us. Not less because of grace. He expects more from us. He expects a reaction. He expects a response. He, he expects you to wrestle with the coming of His Son, and the implications of it. He expects this. And another thing that hasn't changed is His plan. As we've seen all this year now, and now rolling into this year, God didn't change His plan because the previous one wasn't working. He had this in view all 
all along to bring us up to the point where mankind as a whole would be mature enough to understand it and accept it each one individually into their own lives. And so that's the challenge that's before you today. New Covenant is not boring and lifeless. Maybe some lifeless religion is boring and lifeless. But New Covenant relationship fills your heart like nothing else can, can do and like no one else can do. Only Jesus Christ can do that. So I'm going to invite you this morning into covenant with Jesus Christ. Let's stand and sing this song and if we can help you.